The Mojo Radio Show. We scour the planet to find the biggest names in health, creativity, wellness, strategy, brand, performance, management, and more. Turn this up. This is going to be crazy. This is Jason Overcome Redman. Hey, I'm Dave Acosta. Hi, this is Cal Newport, author of Deep Work. G'day, this is Ryan Park. I'm Batman. This is Ivan Davies from my town. I'm Andrea Burke from the Canadian National Women's Rugby Team. I'm Lucas Fickendee. This is Tate Fletcher, Cage Fighter. This is the Mojo Radio Show. Or I'll be coming to see you. Then we ask them the big questions. Oh, man, this is such a great question. You've actually landed right on the mark. That's a, another really good question. It's great talking to some clever dudes, frankly. I've gone probably a little bit more in-depth with you than, uh, than I have in the book. I've done, like, 500 interviews, but nobody asked me about this. <laughs> oh, wow. And sometimes we talk about darts. There we go. Can I tell you, Dina, Gary's favourite sport is darts. How athletic is that? I think it's uh, interesting that it's your favourite, but I won't be judgmental. (laughs) Look, it's the only sport that I know of where a prerequisite is a pint of beer and a cigarette. Come on, let's be honest. The Mojo Radio Show. We don't take ourselves too seriously. So you try throwing half a dozen darts in a row and just see how you go, Uh, my friend. But we hope you will. Welcome. I got my book. To the Mojo Radio Show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Welcome on board the bus, the big red bus we have come to know and love as the Mojo Radio Show. Mayor Peters, nice to have you in the house. You're awake and you're sounding fantastic this morning. Thank you, Gary. Thank you very much. Kind words are worth their weight in gold. Speaking of which, um, you going to pay us, guys, or what's the story? What's going on here? Lola, good morning. Welcome to studio. Hello, boys. Not that you, not that you ever leave. We never let you out. You never leave. That's right. She's stuck here. <laughs> and behind the wheel of the big red bus, Robbo, welcome to this week's program. Thank you very much. So nice to be here. Now, I hope you turned the camera off today because this is a very interesting show. We are talking to a guy who specialises in face reading and facial recognition. Now, quite often... When we hook up with our guests on Skype, Robbo does have the camera off, but sometimes being in a tracky deck and a way too small Divinals T-shirt is not great optically for our guests. Uh, have you left the camera on or off this week? I've left it on for now, but let's just see what happens, shall we? I don't know whether I want it on or not. The Mojo Radio Show. <laughs> we don't take ourselves too seriously. Oh, thank God. Quick message that came in from Stuart via LinkedIn. He said, G'day, Gary. Loving the Mojo Radio Show. Thanks for your commitment to keeping this thing going every week. I truly look forward to it. Good on you, mate. That keeps our mojo going. We appreciate a little shout-out. As only one line. That's all we need is throw us a bone. Can I make a little shout-out too? Uh, the boys at Taramara Music, who we hired our rig off for the OB at Bondi Beach we recorded recently, I got an email from the guys in the hire room down there. G'day, Greg. G'day, Paul. Uh, they took a listen to the Mojo Radio Show after we had a chat when I picked the gear up, and Paul is now six episodes in, two weeks later. So uh, we're rubbing off on people. That's a bit scary. Well, some exciting news. Thanks to our Patreon supporters for keeping the fuel tank full on the big red bus. One of our Patreon supporters, a guy called Adam, heard the show with us talking about our idea for the pop-up OB down at Bondi Beach on the promenade, and he wants to give us a helping hand, and he said he would contribute to pay for our new rig. So to the boys at Taramara, thank you very much. We'll be coming in with a 
<laughs> with a cash check to pick up our own <laughs> ring because we've got a few fantastic shows in the works like James Clear, which will be huge. And mm. isn't it surprising how many of our guests, when you put it on high, high on their bucket list is a visit to Australia. When we mentioned recording live at Bondi Beach, all hands go up. Free fish and chips, mm. beer. Well, and meeting Robbo, of course. The Mojo Radio Show. So our guest this week is, as I mentioned at the head of the show, an international face reader. Now, he's an author. As you'll hear during the show, he travels the world a lot. He's a face reading expert. His name is Eric Standop. And Eric actually wrote to me uh, because he'd heard the show. Remember Joe Navarro, mate? Oh, yeah, the FBI guy, storm breaking down front doors and, yeah, all that stuff. So Eric had heard that show. And in that show, we did talk about face reading, body language, and how the FBI does that. And he said he liked the show and he's got some stuff he'd like to talk to us about. So this show is about understanding what our face can tell us, our emotions, our personality, hidden thoughts, talents, lies, whether we're being authentic, whether we're being fake, and that can all come from our face. And the other thing I found very curious when I was looking at the stuff that Eric does is how much our face can tell us about our wellness and our ailments that are currently our problem that could become bigger issues into the future. So he's been doing it for 15 years. He's got a great backstory with how he came to be in the business and also how he came to learn all about facial recognition. So we're delighted that he's joined us from Germany. Eric, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, mate. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be on the show. Thank you. Eric, based on your research, based on your work, your speaking, your consulting, who are you? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> well, first of all, I could say I'm the man who cannot say no to a cappuccino. Or I could say um, the brave guy jumping with a parachute but is totally afraid of deep water. <laughs> or I could say I'm the man who loves to watch squirrels jumping around in a park. That's more me than any business title you can give me. So why, why do you suggest I start there? Well, I'm, I'm happy that you asked this because usually people are interested in how did you get into that or is face reading for real? And this is a very personal question, and I, love, and I love that because I like to interact with people on a different base than maybe the average. So the premise of all your work, Eric, is that we can decode what our face and facial features say about us. That's true, isn't it? Yeah, that's more or less uh, what we could um, label my work. Although a face reader, first of all, is an advisor. And the advisor tool, the skill, is based on face reading. So I don't want to give advice based on a book that I've read or my own life experience, who might not fit yours. But my advice is based on yourself, on what your face expresses and what your face has a story to tell over the years. And, well, some would say, oh, you may be the only face reader on the planet, but that's not true because we have 7 billion face readers on the planet. And some use the skill and some don't use that, uh, although I would recommend to do that. Let's start there. There's two parts I want to talk to you about. One is the work you do, and number two is how do we use the work you do. You just said there are 7 billion face readers on the planet. 
so your premise is that everyone is a face reader. What what do we often miss, Eric, if you take it on a daily granular basis? Of the 7 billion people, that's us in the studio, you, what do we often miss? Well, see, when when we look into each other's face, we usually look into eyes, right? And we see a lot more than uh, we we do now. It's, it's more like, we call it intuition then or empathy, but there's so much written in the face that we subconsciously collect and then use it in any kind of way. What we very often, we, we do not miss so much. We override what we feel with other things that we might have learned. So saying this guy has this kind of haircut or this guy ha- wears this kind of suit or this guy does this job. So we very often label people by those experiences instead of what we really truly see. And it works perfect when we deal with people that we know over the years. It's easier to detect a lie there, for example, or we see changes that are related to health. We ask, hey, what's going on with you? You don't look good. Is everything okay with you? But this little knowledge could be expanded to an even bigger, further one with by dealing with everyone because there are signs in the face related to anything in life, anything. And I want to spend some time on that. If I if I meet you and look into your eyes, what am I looking for in your eyes? Well, if you do it as a face reader, you would maybe look on a different base. So me as a face reader, I would, for, for example, could possibly look, first of all, size of your pupil. Because the size of your pupil, you cannot stimulate by conscious. This is a subconscious change in 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 terms of the size of the pupil and by just looking at the size of your pupil i already know how your nervous system is uh, stimulating you is it more in a way that you are sharp-eyed and you you um, compare you collect information you learn or is it more big pupil that would mean you are more in a in a in a in a way of imagination you you are more dreamy you look more for emotions for colors that would be a first information. We could also look on how your eyes are built, but we could also look where how the sclera, this is the white part of the eye, how that is positioned, because that could tell us, for example, if you're exhausted or if you're angry. So those are little signs that we cannot stimulate by will. It is uh, our nervous system who does that for us, and it's a first information for a face reader. There is an issue in most countries of depression. And this is something which is, I suspect, based on the the research and the data available, an issue that continues to grow. We have a campaign in Australia called Are You OK? And we have an Are You OK? Day. I'm always wondering when you meet, particularly guys, you meet them, how are you going? Yeah, I'm fine. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. And it's a brush off. If I was to look into someone's eyes, truly look into their eyes, look into their soul of someone who goes, yeah, I'm okay, but they're actually not, what would I look for in their eyes? Interesting. So, yeah, we have this saying, the eyes are the window of the soul. For a lot of people, that sounds a little bit esoteric. You could also say the eyes are the window of the brain because via the optical nerve, your eyes connects with the brain. Where to look at to find out if someone is okay or not? Well, there are three, four different things to look at. First of all, you look on the micro expression. So the blink rate, for example, of the eyelids. 
if the blink rate is extremely fast or extremely slow, there is someone out of balance. So if someone's staring at you, a very low blink rate, that might be a person who tries to be in control of something, of the own emotion or of the situation, but it's definitely not relaxed, it's not in balance. If someone has a high blink rate, that means super nervous or uh, wounded in, in a way like being, being hurted. So definitely, again, not someone in a balance. So that could be a first information in terms of microexpression. In terms of um, the shape of the eye, we could look on how much sclera, the white part, can you see? Is it just left and right of the, of the iris? Then it's more or less the average. Or do you see the sclera below the iris or on top of the iris? If that is the case, again, someone out of balance and we have to find out as a face reader, why is this guy out of balance? There are more signs than in the face to look at. But those would be the first indicators to look at. You could also look on, on the glam and shade of eyes because everybody knows when we boost, we, we had a party last night, eyes look different the next day. Same when we have a flu. So those are the first things I would look at. Someone who doesn't want to make eye contact, would that also be a sign for a face reader? that they want to hide. Is that, is that a subconscious thing we do is to hide our face because we think we could get found out? It depends a little bit on the culture. So some would do that, some not. So it is a first little sign. Um, definitely I would check, I, I would double check with some other individual features. So it might be a shy person. So if you're a shy person, doesn't mean you hide something, right? But for 80% of the people, that might be true, but only for 80%. So I would double check with other features related to a personality to, to, to justify that kind of judgment. Is our addiction to the screen impacting our communication in this way, Eric? Because it just seems that if you walk the street, go to a cafe, sit on a bus, a train, Eye contact, even in conversation, even whether you're with somebody in a coffee shop or a restaurant, it's hard to get eye contact because they seem to be distracted by the screen. Is that lessening our actual ability to understand other people because we never really look long and hard into someone's eyes or even their face? Um, very good question, I have to say. Well, usually, it, it, usually people avoid eye contact for longer than five seconds because that means we interact with that person. And to interact with someone might mean a lot. It could mean, oh, we have a deeper connection, or it means give me your energy, or I want something from you, or why do you look at me? So there is a next step after this eye contact longer than five seconds. And people usually are in their, let's call mode and mood, and they also they don't want to be um, taken out of that because they're on a mission for that day or for that moment. So only if we are really free, we have time, we, uh, we are also in the mood to connect with others, we would be able to, to, to stand that eye contact for longer than five or 10 seconds. Um, by the way, it's a little bit out of what you asked, but I think it's a very important thing to, to, to let people know. If people who have usually a good relationship, especially couples, if they are out of balance because of anything going on in their life, the best tip, the best recommendation you can do is sit together once a day and look into each other's eyes for three to five minutes without any noise, with anything in the back, and you establish this strong connection again because you release endorphins, hormones that connect you again. 
And that is exactly what's happening when we look longer into each other's eyes. We start a connection. And maybe we don't want to start that connection with everyone. Maybe we are very picky with that. You've also said that if I am looking at somebody having a conversation, if they hold an expression for too long, that can also be a tell. What's the tell from that, Eric? Well, it's, that is true. So when we, let's say actors, actors usually have, when, they, when it's a great movie, usually they have a break after, let's say, one minute, two minutes, and then the scene, they have a different scene or they repeat the scene because it's very hard to fake an emotion uh, for a long time. And when people fake emotions, for example, the fake smile, this is by all cultures agreed on, so everybody's allowed to make a fake smile. But if we fake emotions, we are not authentic. Um, and it's hard to fake emotions. We usually overdo. We usually hold a facial expression for too long to show the other side, hey, look at me, I'm tired now, or look at me, I'm, I'm upset, or look at me, I'm, I'm angry about you, I, I hate you. Whatever emotion we show for longer than five seconds without any movement in the face, just showing this one expression is very often done by will and therefore not 100% authentic, so not true. Um, while when we have an emotion running through our system, through our body, through our brain, we have a lot of movement in our face that we cannot control in a good way and in a bad way, and that is the real one. That is the one where someone shows the real emotion in his face. We were talking prior to getting you on the line, and Robbo is a rugby fan and a rugby coach, and we were talking about the victory of South Africa in the Rugby World Cup, which was inspirational to the whole world. And it reminded me that you have a backstory of meeting an old man in South Africa in your late 30s and basically meeting that old man changed the trajectory of your life. Take us take us to that day, take us to that meeting, Eric. So that was 15 years ago. 15 years ago, I had my second burnout. Those days I was in, uh, in charge of marketing and events and PR for a computer gaming company. I had my second burnout and my only answer on that was take a backpack and just run away from the stress. I mean, uh, maybe clever, um, but definitely not a healing. But I, I went to uh, South Africa, to Cape Town, Bloomberg Strand, and I tried to kite surf. And those days, uh, a lot of friends, my nickname was Jack Russell. I don't know if you know the dog. And uh, my friends usually said, Eric, you will never make that. You're just too impatient. Okay, they were true. After more or less an hour, I gave up. Just too much to do with this kite surfing. And then one of my friends said, Eric, go Come on, go in this uh, bar here. There's an old man. He's reading faces. And I, for me, that moment, I mean, I, I, I was in business. I, I had a career uh, going into a bar, listening to an old man about my face. Come on, that's fortune telling or what is that? So, well, we made a bet. So, and I said, okay, if he's, if he's right, if he, if he can help me out and, and uh, he knows a lot, I'll pay your weekend. And, and if not, you pay mine. And walking inside, I saw an old man, and I saw exactly what I expected. It was an old man, rotten clothes, teethless, uh, alcoholic, a lot of beers right in front of him. And that's the way I treated him then. So I said, oh, guru, master, uh, tell me about myself. So 
that was very disrespectful, but uh, it was the way I was. So he uh, started very poor by telling me, oh, you, you are competitive, you're a non-believer, you're impatient, you're aggressive type. And I said, wow, I'm super deeply impressed. And uh, of course I didn't, uh, I was not. And, uh, and he saw that. So he, he then started to read my health. And that was shocking because he more or less summed up every health issue I had those days. And uh, there has been a long list. And that shocked me. How can, how can that be? Uh, it, it was, of course, I knew that someone looks different when he's sick. But how could it be that this guy saw that I had an inflammation of the intestine or asthma and some other things that I want, don't want to repeat now? Um, so how could that be? So the only thing that I wanted to know then right after is, where and how can I learn that and then use it as a, and I have to be honest, manipulative tool in my business? What, what did he see when he saw asthma in your face? What's the tell for someone who has asthma? Well, at that, that moment, I had no idea and he didn't even tell me. So that, that really uh, made me super nervous because I immediately wanted to know where he saw that stuff. And later on, I found out, of course, when it's about breathing, it's all about the lungs, and the lungs are connected via the, via the facial nerves and also via the nervous system with your nose. And so to have a nose that is shaped this way or that way and, to show, and, and also to show signs on your nose that are out of balance, for example, it could be uh, vessels and veins and uh, could be coloration, discoloration, um, he took it from that. He said to you that you had digestion issues and inflammation in the intestines. But what's interesting about that, Eric, is that right now with a lot of the new biohackers or the people who are writing about health and wellness, that inflammation is one of the precursors to chronic disease. And we certainly have a lot of digestive issues because we're now hearing about the gut and the gut microbiome. How, how do I know that someone has digestive issues or inflammation of the intestines? How does that express itself in someone's face? It's, that's now a little bit more complex because there is a difference between the stomach, between the intestine, between the colon. They're all part of the digestion, also the detox organs like gallbladder and so on. But you're right. So the first thing to see an inflammation is when you see reddish parts in a face. So when something gets reddish, and I, I'm not talking about sunburned, but if, if parts of your face get reddish, you can be sure that this part is by the nervous system connected with part of your organs. And you only have to know um, which part. I give you an example, a red nose tip. So if you see someone on the street with a red nose tip and he has deep pores and he behaves in a certain way, you would always say he's an alcoholic. That might be not always right, but very often you're right with that. So why is that? Because the nose tip, for example, is connected by the nervous system with your stomach. And the aggressive alcohol is attacking the muscous membrane of the stomach, and the nervous system gives the information to your nose tip. And this is also the case when we have any kind of nervous reaction, we very often grab the nose tip. And the reason is, that the stomach is more or less an organ that is related to our nerves. So whenever we have stage fright or we fall in love or any kind of nervous stimulation, we very often feel a kind of a little bit of a 
stimulation on the nose tip as well and grab the nose for that. That's just one way how to look at that. Another thing I want to help you out with, so if, if reddishness is inflammation, whitish parts means the opposite. So it could mean blockages. So if you think about old people, like let's say 70, 80 year old, a lot of them do not have red lips. They have more or less whitish lips. And those people are extremely often also the people who have blockages or um, a slowed down digestive system and uh, could be also seen on the nose tip, of course, because um, we have then a not active stomach, but a very slow one. And then you store the food and it takes longer to digest. So in, in, in short words, reddishness means inflammation. If something gets more and more white, so we could also say without blood, it means slow down the process of digestion. I find this stuff absolutely fascinating. My question is, if there are these tells, and the reason I wanted you to unpack this is to, to show the legitimacy of what you do and how that relates back to relationships and health, I don't understand why doctors don't look at you more when you go to visit them with an ailment or a checkup, is that I just find that most doctors see you, you sit down, they ask you questions, and they spend their whole time looking at a screen, typing in details, and then say, you're good, here's a script, go. I don't understand. Is this, is this taught or is it not taught to medical professionals? Because it just seems to me that a lot could be told just by a doctor having a five-minute conversation and seriously looking at my face. See, well, first of all, I have to say they did before. So every doctor has, uh, gives the Hippocratic Oath, right? Oath of Hippocrat. And Hippocrat was a face reader because 370 before Christ, there was no blood screening and no x-ray. So the only way he, he found out what's going on with his patient was by looking at the guy and maybe touching and smelling. Um, doctors, when they, you know, in an emergency, state of emergency, let's say you have a car crash, what do they do first? They, of course, they take the blood, blood pressure, but they also look at your face. They check your eyes. This is one of the first things they do. So in that case, they do face reading. And I, I think because of new machines that we developed in the 1900s and on, um, we are, of course, obsessed by machines. It's not only the doctors. See, I do that job for 15 years. For the first 10 years, everybody called me a, a, a freak, although I just do what everybody does. But since five years, I'm more and more accepted by, by business, by society. Why? Because of machines, because machines do face recognition and they get information. And because machines do that, now people say, oh, Eric, so what you do is really serious. Um, let me, tell me more about it. So we are a little bit obsessed by what machines can do. And then when machines can do that, we believe it's for real. But I can tell you one thing. Doctors are always face readers because subconsciously, if you are an experienced doctor and you had, let's say, 300 patients with liver issues, you always see that if a guy comes in. And they have a kind of a subconscious link to try to find out oh, what's going on with his liver. And they have machines for that. And integrative medicine is on, on the move. So more and more doctors use alternative uh, methods also to uh, find out what's going on with the patient. Because this thinking, to your point, is not new. I've heard you talk about the fact that Aristotle used to do this for King Alexander back in the day. So history has shown that from 
very early on that face face re, facial recognition face reading it has got a long long history hasn't it it absolutely and it's not a chinese thing a lot of people oh that's a Chinese uh, philosophy or whatever. Well, you find that in the hieroglyphs, in the pyramids. You find that in the European culture. I even learned it in Colombia from a teacher because the South Americans, I don't know, the Incas, Mayas, whoever started with that, any high culture had that kind of tool to detect health or love or potential or lies, anything in life. And, well, let, we can break it down to the history of a human. So when you're a baby, when you're a kid, you're a face reader and you're very strong in that. Later on, you might be weak because then you might rely on other tools as well. Do you find people are skeptical of your stuff today, Eric? Because I could, I could imagine that some people would listen to you and associate this with like astrology or star signs where you read any given day for your star sign and you can read into it and you can make it fit your day. Do you still today get the skepticism? And the reason I wanted to flesh out these things like digestive issues, inflammation, so on, because I find this fascinating. Do you still get that skepticism today? Well, of course. I mean, I'm doing it for 15 years. Skepticism is not as big as it has been 10 years ago. Um, and it's very uh, different. You know, if I have skeptics in the United States, for example, they still have this kind of curiosity. So they still ask, okay, is that for real? How does it work? Show me. Um, if you have the same skepticism in Europe, it's sometimes really hard because it's more like a wall that you have to climb. Nowadays, I'm not really that determined anymore to um, do to 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 tell skeptics um, uh, face reading is for real. Just do it this way or that way because it's so obvious. I mean, even the skeptics are face readers, and I say very often I just say, you know, I think you're not uh, up to date. Just check online, and you will see a lot of universities who uh, study and research in face reading. One of the attributes we hear a lot on the show uh, from whether it be positive psychologists, psychoanalysts, and or leadership experts is that empathy is a critical attribute of life, relationships, connection, and leadership. If I want to create empathy with somebody, can I create a facial look that better embodies empathy to another person? Can I take that on myself personally? That is a good question. I, I think it really depends on the individual personality. I mean, in, in a short way, if you really want to create empathy to another person, the best way is to um, copy the facial expression of this person. Because if you do that, via this uh, copying of facial expression of the other side, you stimulate your brain and then you feel and think the same way as, as this person. So in, in history, we have the saying, a smile that you send out comes back to you. It's also a yawning that you send out comes back to you. Um, but um, there's a lot more. There's a lot more that you can send out or you read in someone else and you try to copy it. You will find out what's going on inside this person. Um, this is what I usually do when I'm totally lost in a lot of features in a face and I don't know exactly what's the main highway here from this person. I usually try to copy the facial expression of the person to then feel more or less how this person feels. Um, 
just just try to just try to copy a crazy guy with thousands of facial expressions. Just do that. You get weird yourself. Or just try to copy someone who has no movement in the face, and you will see that um, that slows you down as well, and you feel the same way. Um, and this this is just the beginning. I mean, that's the easiest lesson. But just imagine 80, 150 more lessons in that kind of way, and you can empathy with anyone. One would think that empathy with our partners and our family is an absolute critical part of our lives. With our partners, what are the most important things that we should absolutely pay attention to so we can create that in ourselves? If we are coming home from a day out, we're at the office, someone's returning home from school, partners are coming home from work. In in our relationship in the home, what are the critical things that we must pay attention to in the face of? Well, first of all, the most critical critical thing we have to to be aware of in a relationship is definitely the loss of respect. If you see something like that, um, that I think that's the worst because to reestablish respect is almost impossible. And therefore, Chinese faith readers say the highest level of love is respect. Um, if you lose that it's done. So a lot of people say, okay, if trust is lost, it's the worst. No, trust can be reestablished, sometimes a hard process, respect not. How do you disrespect someone? That is very, when you, when you um, well, you can, you can see that even in a body language, if you uh, disrespect someone by waving with the hands or, um, um, well, don't, put away your shoulder from this person, never been close to that person anymore. But with the face, it's very obvious. The face then shows an unilateral face. So it means you're not leveled, you're not balanced, you don't look straight into to someone. You, you put your nose into the air or you put it down and, and part of your face is, is thrown away. That would be one way to show disrespect. And the disrespect can be shown just for a day or half a day, then it's uh, maybe worrying, but it's it's not a bad thing. But if that is more or less a thing that is going on for hours, for days, for months, well, then we have a real big problem. So anything that is not in a balanced way presented to the one that I love uh, would keep me thinking. Do you face read your wife? I'm not married. <laughs> um, um, well, first of all, you, you know the saying, love makes blind. Yeah. Uh, it works perfectly for face readers too. <laughs> Um, because when you get to know someone, even if you would face read that person, so what would be the first that you would see? Oh, she's totally in love with me. Well, great. That's what I expect. I hope so. Well, the next thing that you might read, oh, she has kidney issues. So do I love her then? Do I no longer love her then? No, of course. I don't care about the, the kidneys. Uh, or if I see maybe something that is irritating me, like let's say she uh, is not loyal or is not used to be loyal. Well, then in your head, it's like, well, that can change over the years. Let's see. So the, the, the truth is the moment you're in love, you're almost blind. And that is for face readers as well. But we fall in love with personalities and not with characters. This is what I tell the people. So a personality is given by birth. And when we fall in love with a personality, that means we fall in love with the true potential of someone, with the authenticity. And that's why a lot of people are surprised or shocked that over the weeks, like let's say six, eight weeks, a character shows up 
that might be not exactly the same as the personality. And then we are shocked. How could it be? How could I fall in love with this kind of person? Well, we are... We, it's good if we have someone in the back, like a good friend, maybe a face reader, who can assist us uh, right at the beginning of a relationship. The old man in South Africa, and I'm going to put a few threads together here. That old man in South Africa said to you, go out and live your life. Have you done that, Eric? Because I heard you say that one year of recent times, you spent 300 days of that year in hotel rooms. And I'm curious to know, are you living, are you living the life t- that you'd love that you go out to do? Because for a lot of us, 300 days away from home would be a horror story. And have you, is that part of your identity to do that? It seems that traveling the globe is part of your identity. Where does that sit for you deep inside your soul? Well, is it part of my identity? Yes and no. Well, first of all, um, see, for a lot of years, um, my message was overheard or nobody was interested in. And then I also um, lived together for six years with a Chinese master. So at one point, you're like a horse in a box and, and here's the signal and, and then you want to run and, and jump and, and, and speed up. Right. So in, in the last three, four years, I got that signal and I'm just eager to give everyone that kind of message. And um, but you're right. It's a little bit my my personality as well, because my Chinese master once told me, Eric, your life purpose, if you wish, in an archetype could be described as a messenger. Well, if I would be a messenger sitting on a stone and waiting for people to come, the message would be not uh heard by a lot. So I'm, I'm really trying to spread words everywhere. But I made myself a promise. So next year, uh, I want to I go down to 200 because it's, I'm not 28 anymore. So yeah, I have to, to slow down a little bit as well. We had a, a grand master of memory on the show recently, Eric, a guy called Nelson Dellis, who was fantastic. And you've mentioned you spent years living with a master in China, what's it, what's just describe to me a master? We we have I, I suspect we all have a vision of a little Chinese man that's short to the ground with the big mo that stretches down past his chin, wispy white hair that walks around with a cane, whispering wisdom. <laughs> describe a master of facial language or facial recognition. What are the attributes? Or what's a master like? Just paint us a picture, so to speak. The stereotypes, right? Well, <laughs> see, I had I had three teachers. I had three teachers. One was a German, and he was no stereotype. So he ran away, uh, ran around with jeans and a, a polo shirt. Uh, I thought he's sixty-five, but later on found out he's eighty-four. And he was more like a teacher to me, uh, a good friend, an old friend, sometimes a father. So I wouldn't say. By optically, he's a master, but his words were very wise, and he teached me in a very good way. Then I had a teacher in South America who I had to get out of bed because he was almost drunk every night, and in the morning I wanted to learn, and uh, I had a hard time to get him out of bed. I would not call him a master, but the Chinese fits every stereotype that I had. It's true. So small guy with uh, with with a beard, of course, white, pointy. And uh, if you think of Mr. Miyati in Karate Kid, well, that, that was exactly the guy. And I was not allowed to ask him something, not nothing. And the worst, if I do a comment. 
So I was not even allowed to comment something. And uh, so that was a hard time for me because my comments, my sarcastic comments, I loved. And, and I had thousands of questions and he just ignored them. And, and even if I get an answer, it was not really helpful. It was all stereotype answers. Like one, one day I asked him, uh, Master, um, you know so much. Um, tell me a little bit about debt. What is the f- wisdom of face readers about debt? Is there death? You know, can you tell me something about that? And I said, yeah, I'm a master, but not, I'm, a, I'm not a debt master, so I cannot tell you. So it's, it, it was sometimes really uh, um, bizarre, strange for a European to, to be teach that way. So you have to accept that the guy wants to give you his best wisdom, um, anything, anything in life that he experienced, because he chose you to be his student. But, you know, those days I was in my mid-40s, and uh, that was not easy for us. You mentioned before you talked about machines. Just want to camp there for a second. Can artificial intelligence do this? Are we going to get to a point where a machine could detect all the things that we have talked about in this show? Can you see that happening? Well, um, the speed of, of, of change is, is uh, really dramatic. Um, a few weeks ago, I was in, in New York City, and uh, I was standing in front of this uh, camera, and, and uh, the girl at the reception said, Mr. Standup, just look into here. We want to find out if you're really Mr. Standup. And I said, what? How, how does that work? Just look into it. Okay, I, I looked into it, and out of the blue, they had probably 500, 600 pictures of mine who um, uh, yeah, said, yeah, this guy confirms this is Eric. Um, and I said, wow, you just took that out of internet. Yeah. Okay. So the next step is already, and, uh, some Chinese, uh, uh, companies already use that is to find out the mood and emotion of your employee. So if the employee sits in front of the computer typing in the camera will read you and will find out, oh, today this guy is not in best mood. So what is, uh, the camera doing? telling the computer, the computer starts to make jokes or, or gives you a, a smiley and says, hey, don't forget to smile, uh, things like this. And it will go on like that with, the, with any kind of knowledge that we, um, information, let's say this, in source of information. So anything the face expresses and the face can deliver, I think the cameras will be able to uh, then catch and then put it into kind of information. It, that will definitely go on. Um, the question is, how deep can it go? Because still, those machines will read our names, maybe, who we are by name. They might read our emotion. They might read our health. But do they really read how do we love? What is our what are our values or whatever? Um, still, I doubt that. But maybe this doubting of mine is also hoping. If somebody gains weight dramatically or loses weight dramatically, does that change your ability to read someone's face accurately over time? Because I suspect there are some attributes, which is, I don't know, size of nose, size of lips, whatever, don't change. But can that be altered then through weight loss, does that actually change the diagnosis and or the personality or character of the person simply by the change of their facial features? Well, you know, you and I know uh, if someone gains weight or loses weight, um, they also change their behavior. And so they also change their um, sometimes way to 
to look at things. I know a lot of people who lost weight and after they lost weight, they became uh, very uh, uh, fanatic in terms of health and uh, they haven't had been that before. So almost like extremists. Um, and then they start to teach other people in, no, no, uh, don't eat that, don't drink that. It's just one way to, to express it. Um, of course, the main important thing in a face is always eyes and mouth. And that will not change um, dramatic. They, it might change by facial expression and by little signs. But eyes and mouth are the ones who definitely represent you. And that's why the smiley works with the two dots and the line in a circle. Nothing else um, is of need. No nose, no ears, no hair, no chin, no jaw. So all those little signs like chin, jaw, and so on, they are parts of the puzzle, but not the main important ones. And it's the same with uh, plastic surgery. For example, if someone wants to change the whole face with plastic surgery, well, he or she can do that. Um, still eyes and mouth move and act in the way it did before, except this person changed the way how they think then um, the movement of eyes and mouth would be different. Um, so people change, and um, sometimes it's expressed in the way how they gain or lose weight or in any other kind of behavior because they use Botox. Uh, they never used before, but now they, they want to use Botox. Why that? Well, they don't want to look old or they want to look healthy, whatever is the reason. But again, we have an information of someone why don't you want to look old? What is your fear about it? So I look on anything, even piercings in a phase out of interest. Can you do this from a photo? You just mentioned expressions. Can you do what you do from a still photo or a video or over Skype? Does it have to be face-to-face -face in person? Um, if you have a video, that is very good because the video helps you also to see facial expression which uh, gives you a lot more information than just a photo. If I have a photo, it's very important what kind of photo do I have. Is it a photo from a party? Well, then I can read the situation. If it's uh, a, a selfie just made now, um, that would be a lot more helpful. So, of course, a photo gives information, but not as much as someone sitting right in front of me. Do you ever study yourself in the mirror? Do you ever wake up in the morning, Eric, and just have a really good, long, hard look at yourself and diagnose what's going on in yourself? Can, can we do this to ourselves? Yeah. Well, that's the, the worst part out of it, I have to say. <laughs> so first of all, a lot of people learn face reading to get to know someone else better. And um, subconsciously, they find out, damn, it's about me as well. So of course, you look into the mirror and, and you try to find features that you just learned. And, and then it's hard to, to lie to yourself anymore. It's, I, I can tell you hundreds of stories uh, about myself, how I looked into the mirror, saw myself, and was then totally disappointed, sometimes happy about what I saw. Uh, maybe a small story, which is not a big one. Um, I have a good friend here in Germany. He's very earthy, grounded, and once a year, we make a, a, a short trip for three, four days just to hail buddyhood and uh, have a good time. So his, his wish was to, to go on a trip, beer garden and lake tour in Bavaria. So we did that for four days, uh, boozing every day almost, having fun at the lakes, beer gardens. On the third day, I, and that was the last day, I woke up and I saw zits and dots between my eyes. And the zits and dots between my eyes are a strong sign that the body has a hard time to detox. 
because there's so much acidity inside the body. And it also shows the liver is overworked, telling you, hey, guy, this is a little bit too much here. And I saw the sign in the mirror in the morning. So me as a face reader, I cannot deny that. So I went to breakfast and told my best friend, listen, um, whatever you plan today, I'm not going to have any kind of alcohol, no beer, nothing. And he said, what's going on? What's, what's the problem? And I said, See, look at this, these sits and dots here in my face. And he said, well, we buy some makeup. That's not a problem. And I said, it's not about makeup. It's a sign of my body telling me, Eric, that's too much. Stop it. You hurt yourself. So I stopped. Well, my best friend had a good time because I was driving him around. But um, this is a little sign how it can work as well. But I have a lot deeper stories about that as well. Yeah. There's a face, face reader, someone who specializes in facial recognition. Can you ever switch it off? Because hearing you talk about 300 days in hotel rooms means a lot of travel, a lot of crowds, going through airports, sitting on airplanes, commuting. It's a lot of time in amongst crowds. All I'm seeing is just this whole maze of faces and, and I would be completely distracted. Can you switch it off in your own mind? Um, what I teach my students in the first year get motivated, inspired, and enthusiastic about faces. Read whenever you can. Take magazines, uh, watch TV, read, read anyone you know. But then after the first year, try to slow down and switch off. Because otherwise, there's, the amount of information is so high, you, 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 almost, uh, you get out of balance. So you cannot run around and read everywhere. That, it's always an information. And your head, your brain has to work it out. So I switch it off totally. So I'm not reading anything outside my work. Uh, it sounds bizarre for a lot of people, but for me, it's work. So if I'm not uh, called to read a face, I'm not doing it. Um, and, you know, after reading, I think probably around 15,000 people now, um, it, it, there's not a lot new that you read. Of course, that might happen. Let's say once a year I'm at, at this airport and, and there's someone standing next to me and then I see a sign that I've never seen before, but I've learned about it. Then I get um, enthusiastic about it and might start reading. But I would not do that um, outside my, my work. It's more people who want me to read all the time. So let's say, what are you doing? Oh, I'm a face reader. Oh, you're a face reader. What, what is my face telling you? So, <laughs> sorry, that's work. Or, um, you know, you're in that bar and then friends of yours tell, hey, Eric, you see the waitress over there? And I say, yeah, I see her. Is she a good kisser? I say, <laughs> ask her or try to find out. I'm not going to start reading her. So, yeah, so it's more the outside who wants to stimulate to do that. I've got a question just on that that maybe goes a little bit deeper into that question. And this might be personal, but if, if I had your skills, I would be interested in going back and looking at historical speeches and things that have happened in the past and reading body language and comparing that to the events that then occurred. Do, do you do that at all? Do you, like Winston Churchill, for example, a, a, a famous Winston Churchill speech and watch his body language and go, well, you know, that he, he wasn't exactly factual there or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, I, uh, sometimes I do that because I also studied history, um, not so much because of history, but because of the people behind the history. And um, there are some interesting people in history and some are not as interesting. But you, you, you already mentioned a very interesting person with a lot of contradictions, Winston Churchill. And um, 
interesting to study those people, you also learn a lot. See, for, just give you an example. In the United States, I had a client who is uh, a strong believer in, in guns. So gun control, he fully ignores, has a lot of guns himself, uh, very right-wing guy. And um, I talked with him about history, and I said, listen, um, no, he said, sorry, he said, oh, I adore Winston Churchill. And I said, oh, you adore Winston Churchill. And he said, yeah. And I said, why that? And he said, well, he was a strong leader, and he, he took care of the Navy in the First World War. In the Second World War, he was even stronger, and so on. And I said, yeah, but he was a socialist. <laughs> and he said, oh, uh, well, yeah, whoa, well, that, that's not to mention. And I said, well, uh, he was for labor. And uh, so the interesting thing is when we look at that, and I'm— and you can see that in facial expressions and body language as well. You see contradictions. And the contradictions is what make us individual. And the contradictions is what make us compromising with others and connect us with others. I, I have a more problem with specialized people who look that way, act that way, vote that way, eat that way. And this is boring. The more specialized people are, the less human they are. We need contradictions and we can see the contradictions in body language, but also in facial expressions. And, and, and contradictions make us connective to everyone. And, and so this is a little bit missing at the moment. Maybe it's just a period and we will see a different kind of uh, human behavior in the next uh, decade, but uh, who knows? I had a question from a listener who asked about dark circles under the eyes. Specifically, just to close this out, what does that tell us? First of all, um, the main important thing is we have to look on the color of the circles below the eyes. So first of all, some circles are made by color. Some circles are made by the tissue. So let's start with uh, the color. If we have dark circles below the eyes, everybody knows that. I think it's, it's very often caused by lack of sleep. We didn't sleep enough, dark circles. Or we have a flu, dark circles. Some people go through a chemotherapy, dark circles. The dark circles are very often related to the, the loss, massive loss of the mineral iron. And iron is a mineral that is related to the immunity system. So if we do not have enough iron inside, we have not enough immunity, we get a flu. If we don't sleep enough, we don't have enough immunity, we get maybe also a flu. If the circles below the eye are more violet, almost like a pinky violet, later on turns into a bluish thing, um, this is more the collection of um, cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And um, you see a lot of people who suffer from aggression outside or inside, it, it depends on the personality, who show that kind of colors below the eyes because of the high amount of cortisol in that person. Of course, the cortisol is stored everywhere in the body, but the face, with the help of the ultraviolet light, shows more, uh, shows quicker. Um, the, um, if, the, if the circles below the eyes are more or less um, built by tissue because, let's say, we have a, we collected a connective liquid of the connective tissue below the eye, so we have almost like little balloons below the eyes. That's more related to health issues like kidney, bladder, um, things like that. Or it's just a boost day and a boost night and the next day it takes a little bit longer to get rid of it. Or it's a night of tears, which is also usually 
history after one day. I hope um, that helps a little bit. I find this stuff absolutely fascinating, Eric. For people who want to explore your work and what you do and get a hold of your writings, where do you, where's the hub for you? Where do you send people? Um, so I'm, in the last two years, I traveled 22 countries, and I want to reduce that, of course, down to five, six. And hopefully, and this is my next goal, I will be invited to Australia because I've been there two times before, but not as a face reader. It was more for private reason. Um, so the hub at the moment is wherever my clients call me to. I'm most often in the United States, in the Silicon Valley or in New York, um, but I'm also touring Europe and uh, Southeast Asia. Um, the best to know is just to write me, go on my website, ericstandup.com or readtheface.com, and I, I think we have a quick contact. It's, it's not really hard to get in contact with me. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. I'm glad that you got in contact with us to come on the show. Thank you so much. I know you do have a busy schedule. You've got a lot going on in lots of different places. I found this fascinating, mate. I really, uh, really enjoyed it. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom uh, and your stories. So thanks for joining us here, mate. Thank you for your interest. Thank you for having me. And as face readers say, I see you. Hello, this is Michelle Gibbings. I'm a change leadership and career expert. After chatting to Robbo and Gary, I am sure that career leap is something that they would get a hell of a lot of value out. Get a haircut and get a real job. The Mojo Radio Show. Speaking to Eric and the eyes, a beautiful little story. When I, in 1985, so I'm going back in the day. Back in the day. I used to work at Westfield Shopping Towns. That's what they were known back then. Now they're Westfield Shopping Centres. They used to be known as Westfield Shopping Towns. They were. And each year we would have to find a Santa Claus to sit in our centre stage area and take photos with the children. And this one Santa Claus approached me mid-year and when he walked in, he, he was Santa Claus. He had legitimate everything. He was Santa Claus. And I just fell in love with this guy. Did he have flying reindeer? He did. He, he, he was legit, <laughs> legitimate Santa Claus. He walked in with his charisma. And I booked him every year. At closing time on the 24th of December, I would book him for the following year because he was Santa. And I would write to him in the new year and just thank him and confirm the booking for next year and tell him how much I enjoyed having. And his, his, the, the, the bottom of his thank you letter to me was always, you know, thanks for having me, blah, 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 Santa, keep the smiles in your eyes. And I thought, isn't that just the most beautiful saying for a Santa Claus who is engaging with children every single day, that if a child looks at you, a child looks into your eyes, and if you could keep those smiles in your eyes, I thought, with hearing Eric talk, it's just consciously I don't think we do that anymore. I don't think we think about what our eyes can portray and it took me back to that time. And I can still remember this guy and his wife used to come and visit me. And that's what was special about him. I don't know. I just, I just think it's, it's worth consciously putting that into our, into our world to say what can our eyes tell, just stare into people's eyes, particularly family, long and hard. I think it's beautiful. Did you get an address for this guy? Was it the North Pole? I mean, sounds to me like we could be talking legit here. I wonder if we can get him on the show. <laughs> the Mojo Radio Show. 
So a couple of weeks ago, just to fill you in, at the last week of October, Gary and I had a discussion about rock songs that contained cowbell, which sparked the conversation about creating on Spotify the ultimate cowbell song playlist. So I've been on Spotify. I've been through all the ones I can possibly think of. Now we're handing it over to you guys, our listeners, because we want to make this the place that everybody goes if you want to know a song's got cowbell in it. So go to our Facebook page. I've pinned a link to the playlist at the top of our Facebook page and you can add songs as you think of them or if you, if, if you can see any that I've missed. Let's make this the ultimate playlist of cowbell songs ever. Gold. The Mojo Radio Show. Did you not find a curious facial recognition where machine learning is going and the impact that may have on our good friend Lola? Well, I think Lola's leading the pack, isn't she? Surely. I mean, go. I can't I don't know of any other sort of podcast assistants around the globe, do you? Who's as hot as Lola? Did you hear at the end of the show, did you hear Eric trying to chat her up? <laughs> I mean, he's not married. Come on. The guy's <laughs> Lola's doing her job. He d- he just wanted to he just wanted to see her. <laughs> That's right. He just wants to see her. Then then we'll, then then the action will start. That's it. All right. If I said to you, reading the face, great Australian rock, mm-hmm. pub band, mm. legends, oh. mates of the show, yeah. and it ain't about your eye because I ain't the one, yeah. how tell that song would be. Well, you might as well hand it to me on a platter. It's the Angels. We're out.
Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the basement of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. To help us get better and give more people the opportunity to touch up their mojo, you can now find us on Patreon. Follow the links on the front page of our website and for a coffee or two a month, you'll get regular bonus material and a copy of Explosive Hits 19, the best of the Mojo Radio Show. In the meantime, to polish your next audio production, check out voodoosound.com.au. For more about Gary, see garybirtwhistle.com. And to book me, go to andrewpeters.com. Andrew Peters speaking. See you next time.